Blog Talk Radio. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Saturday, November the 4th, and welcome to our commentary. Just a quick uh, follow-up on the Texas Rangers. I'm sure you know that they won the World Series, and there was one parade on Friday, um, and I don't even know how many people were there. I mean, it was an unbelievable number of people who were there, and I've seen you know, estimates of 100,000 people. Some people are saying even more than that. I really don't have an official estimate. I don't know if they ever will put one out. But it was just an incredible moment of happiness uh, for Ranger fans who have been looking forward to this for a very long time. You know, the team came very close in 2011 and, you know, a couple of other divisional titles after that. But this was the first time they had ever gone to the World Series, to, to say the least. It was an absolutely stunning uh, Friday. And, uh, I mean, the pictures in the newspapers, I mean, you see these these photos of people going back uh, forever. It seems like forever the number of people who uh, were out there. So congratulations again to the Rangers. I guess we're going to go into the Cowboys now that the baseball season is over. They've got a big game coming up uh, with Philadelphia on Sunday, so we'll be uh, focusing on that a little bit more. We are going to do a follow-up show on the Rangers. Uh, maybe on Sunday, I'm working that out, but definitely we're going to do a year wrap-up show on on the Rangers. You know, one of the one of the most interesting things happened 85 years ago this week. It was actually October the 30th, 1938, when a young man by the name of Orson Welles, who had a tremendous imagination to say the least, put together a radio show based on the book The War of the Worlds. It became not only one of the most controversial radio shows in radio history, but frankly, one of the best, one of the best radio shows. And I would recommend to everybody to go back and dig up a copy and listen to it and imagine yourself in 1938, somewhere in Kansas, somewhere in Nebraska, somewhere where you were a bit isolated, let's say, from the big cities. We didn't have, you know, obviously the social media, the media that we now have. And for most people, that little radio in the living room was all they had. And here you have, you know, Martians landing on Earth and all this kind of stuff. And a lot of people obviously became very concerned and quite scared. It turned out to be a show, but it turned out to be a very controversial show. So I spoke about this last week with our friend uh, Bill Katz, the editor of Urgent Agenda. And I spoke with him about not just that show, but the impact of radio and how it just transformed the country back in the in the 1930s. You may remember that back then it was President Roosevelt who uh, started the fireside chats, and they were done on the radio. He was a, a very good uh, he was very good at delivering a message on the radio. So let's go back and listen to my friend Bill Katz 
the editor of Urgent Agenda, as we remember 85 years ago today, and or this week, I should say, Orson Welles and the War of the Worlds. So check this out. Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Monday, October the 30th. We like to do on Mondays, we'll be chatting with our friend uh, Bill Katz, the editor of Urgent Agenda. Bill, welcome. It's always great to have you. Pleasure to be with you, Silvio, uh, on this uh, eventful day, eventful, because the entire month is eventful. That's uh, right. Did, did you think four weeks ago that we, the world would be involved in a major war? And it is a major war. And we've been saying all along when we discussed politics, you never know what could intervene in a political campaign. That's so right. Now, now we have total disruption. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, I wanted to briefly uh, just take a little detour for just a second, Bill, and go back to 1938. If this was 1938, I guess the Depression was still pretty pretty rough in the country, um, and people were beginning to, to listen to their radios on Sunday night. And there's this amazing broadcast by a fellow named Orson Welles about the War of the Worlds. And if, if anybody has ever listened to that, and I have, I've done so several times, I can certainly understand why people were scared. I mean, that was so well done, Bill. Um, and and it, just, it was just one night. And is it true that people were actually jumping from balconies? I've read that. Well, that I don't know, but I know that people were frightened. They believed it was real because it was done so realistically, and nobody at the network apparently cautioned and said, wait a minute, what if people believe that this is actually happening? And I'd imagine if somebody said that, the reaction would have been, hey, that's good, that makes it even better. Uh, but uh, yes, there was a nation that was very much afraid. The power of radio, the power of the of news media is very great, and I think we saw that just a few weeks ago in the most horrible way, during the uh, Israel-Hamas uh, war, when a fake report about the bombing of a hospital went around the world and generated enormous crowds and protests and riots, and the news organizations that were involved still have not apologized. Yes. No, that, you're exactly right. And, but I've always felt that what makes radio even more scary than television is because you cannot see it. And so... Like even in a baseball game, to me, if you listen to that famous home run, you know the Giants win the pennant. Yeah, it's it's much better on the radio. I've seen them both. I've seen the video and I've I've heard the audio, and I'd rather hear the audio. To me, it's more more fantastic though. Yes, and also with audio, with just radio, you can use your imagination and you mm -hmm. can imagine what the scene looks like. Uh, in fact, I remember as television, I'm, I'm old enough to remember, as television was coming in, uh, we had a teacher in school who taught, we had a, a class called Radio Workshop, where you learned radio, and she said that, that, that she thought it was very sad because people would not be able to use their imagination. Everything will be given to them. And I think there's some truth to that. Absolutely. Well, to me, the radio is a little bit like reading a book. Um, and I had the experience, uh, as many boys do, of reading Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson. And many boys, you know, they, I guess boys used to read that back then. I don't know what they read now, but that's what they used to read back then. And uh, I remember then watching the movie and I felt cheated. I felt that uh, my imagination was better than the movie, though. Uh, well, yes, <laughs> it often was. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that 
also, radio was the kind of thing, and I, I had what I, I called in those days my programs. And they were radio programs, and I would come home from school, and I had a regular block of radio programs that I would listen to every day. And uh, they became really part of American culture. Uh, the Lone Ranger, certainly. Uh, uh, Captain Midnight. Uh, the Shadow. Who knows what evil lurks in the minds of men? The Shadow knows. And you got to know those lines, that op- those opening lines. Uh, and you could also, if you were so inclined and had a little extra cash, you could go out and buy bottles of Ovaltine chocolate drink, and if you and if, and, and 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 you could take off the label and send it with twenty five cents to the program, and they would have these regular offerings. I could get a, a Captain Midnight ring. I could get a um, uh, a, a, uh, a decoder. And I got, I forgot, I forgot what I also got, something that glowed in the dark, and I held it cat for a day. I, put, I hung it in my, uh, what they call the wardrobe in my school, and it was missing by the time I got back, so I, I didn't do that too often. But radio was very much a part of our lives, and many of the big original television stars got their start in radio. Right. Now, I'm just curious, though, when you sent the 25 cents, did you actually send a quarter or a money order? You said a quarter, and, and, and you could, but you could send stamps. Oh, okay. Uh, said 25 cents in stamps. They would say 25 cents in stamps or coin, coin, <laughs> two-syllable word, coin, uh, to Captain Midnight, and you got his decoder. And then and, and if you had a decoder, you could get the secret messages. Oh, wow. Well, that, uh, those, see, what this new generation is missing. I love to see my, uh, my grandsons are too little for that, but I love to see them in a few years be able to, to use your imagination like that, Bill. Well, yes, and also uh, you you got to memorize certain things. Every American boy knew the opening to the Lone Ranger. And if you didn't know the opening to the Lone Ranger, you got deported. You got deported to another country because you weren't truly an American. And everyone knew that the, the music played was from the William Tell Overture. And... Uh, and and you, you learned about sound effects from that. Um, and uh, I remember once going, uh, my school took us to a uh, one of the local uh, radio stations, and the sound effects guy was there to show us how they simulated the horse in the, in, in the Lone Ranger. And he said, kids, whenever you hear a sound effect of a horse, make sure to count the hooves. Horses have four hooves, not three. And the, am- the, the radio guys who weren't very good would go ba ba bum ba bum ba bum ba bum ba bum whereas actually a horse goes ba ba bum ba bum ba ba bum And I learned about horses. You could learn yeah. a lot, lot from that stuff. No, I mean that's that's just great stuff. I mean that's how you make make a kid grow up and have all kinds of of uh, positive things to do with his time. I, I I think it's absolutely absolutely great and something. I guess it's it's lost. It's never going to come back. I guess you know that. No, that's right. That's all gone. Well, Orson Welles, eighty-five years ago. I guess it would have been tonight. Yes, eighty-five years. He la- he later went on to make one of the great American movies called Citizen Kane. That's right. Yes, he did. That was I guess a few years later, right? Yes, uh, nineteen early forties. Yeah, that's right. Amazing. That is a great movie. I yes. finally got to see that movie about thirty years ago. And I thought it was absolutely great. One of the one of the benefits, not to 
not to take too much time on this, but one of the benefits of VHS was that it introduced a lot of movies to you. Oh, yes. That, that was true. That, you know, you didn't have to go out and see them. And movies like Citizen Kane, uh, that was one of those great movies that I actually saw because VHS. Um, that, that, that's true. Well, you could go to, uh, you could go to a, a store and rent them. And uh, even if they weren't being shown on, on television at a particular time, uh, what was the, 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 big, the big change? I've, I've already forgotten the name of the big change. Blockbuster, was it? Or? Blockbuster, yes. Yeah. And they only stayed in, uh, in uh, business a few years. Because right. along came cable TV, which now has, and, and nowadays, I mean, you can see any movie if you have a, like a subscription service like Amazon Prime, which we do. They have so many of the old movies. And either you can watch them for free, or in most cases there is a small rental fee. Mm-hmm. But but it's it's just in terms of seeing old movies, it's an amazing generation. We can go back and really study and introduce our children to the great movies of the golden age. That's right. No, you're right. You're right about that. But anyway, one one topic uh, you mentioned uh, today over at Urgent Agenda, your blog. Well, that was our conversation with uh, Bill Katz, the editor of Virgin Agenda. Those of you who follow me know that we talk to Bill once a week and get into a lot of the current events. But Bill knows a lot uh, about the history of TV and radio and the history of movies. So every once in a while, if there's an anniversary, as happened this week, with the anniversary of the War of the Worlds, it was exactly 85 years ago this week. Uh, We talked a little bit about that. And, of course, he talked about the power of radio and what radio could do. And, and it's amazing. It's amazing. And radio can do so much more because it really forces you to think. It's like reading a book. I mentioned uh, in my conversation with Bill that I remember reading the book Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson. That's a book that kids used to read. I don't know if they read that anymore, but they, you know, they did back then. And you would read books like that and, you know, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea by Jules Verne or was that Verne? Yeah. Uh, About, you know, Captain Nemo and all that kind of stuff. We used to read those books. And uh, then the movie came out, particularly for uh, Treasure Island. Uh, And when I saw the movie, I was kind of disenchanted. I had a different uh, view or just my imagination had different faces for those people, for, you know, the, the captain and all those people. So, Radio was a tremendous source of not only information, but a tremendous source of entertainment. And in the case of this particular story, The War of the Worlds, a source of confusion. A lot of people got scared, and you know, 85 years ago this week, because they thought that Martians were actually landing in New Jersey. And if you were listening to, <laughs> if you were listening to the radio back then, well, that's exactly what you thought, that Martians... Uh, we're landing, uh, we're landing in New Jersey and landing in different parts of the country because that's what you were hearing on the radio. And, of course, if it was on the radio, well, it had to be, it had to be true. Well, thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas. We'll be back with some Ranger baseball on Sunday night. So check us out. Bye-bye, everybody.